Welcome back to From the Ground Up with Mark Weller. I'm Matt Rienzo here with my co-host Mark Weller for a unique and very fun podcast. At least we hope so. Uh, we're so excited to celebrate one year of this podcast, one year anniversary. Holy cow, Mark. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, we've talked to just so many incredible and awesome people over this first year. Uh, I just feel fortunate to have so many impressive people who are experts in their fields and really just great human beings who have come on the podcast and enlightened us with their knowledge. Um, so I want to thank everybody who's taken time out of their busy lives to uh, to to come down and help us. And then everybody who's who's listened. And, uh, and thanks for submitting questions and thanks for the commentary. It's fun. I actually go a lot of places and people kind of laugh. They say, I listen to your podcast. Yeah, and, I get a lot of that too. It's yeah. pretty fun. And, and I won't say everybody doesn't listen to everyone, but there's a lot of people that listen to individual ones that uh, that interest them. So I found that uh, I found that to be uh, really useful and uh, I've enjoyed hearing about it. Yeah, it's funny when you go to whether it's social events or work events and you see that person who says that and they're like, yeah, they're kind of smirking and laughing. But then uh, they're like, you know, it's it's been really interesting listening to some of them. And so it's been valuable and I think uh, it's done a lot for us as a company. And so it's been a good first year. We wanted to celebrate that with this podcast. So what we did was we solicited questions from our what I'll call fans. We have fans now, Mark. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, we solicited questions from our fans and uh, we're going to go over some of those with you today. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So let's get into it. Um, so we have some listener submitted questions. The first one comes from Jeff on Instagram, and he wants to know why did you just start? Why did you decide to start this podcast, and what do you hope people will learn from it? So, Mark, I know you were. Uh, we had a lot of discussion about two years ago about doing this podcast. So, why did you decide to acquiesce and do it, and and tell us what you were hoping to get out of it? Well, the the main reason I thought it was useful and helpful was for a combination of teaching people what we had learned uh, through our experiences and also helping discuss the things that we were working on and different communities we were working on, the ideas that we had. And it was a direct line to people um, to about, you know, very specific subject matter. And I really found it, um, it really struck me when I started listening to various podcasts about very specific um, topic and subject matter myself. And I realized how much I gained um, from doing that. And through that, uh, we decided let's just be very strategic and thoughtful about who we bring on. And we thought that it would be helpful to the broader community uh, of, uh, of friends and associates that we have. Yeah. And, and to add on to that, I mean, I think we all know that um, the news media is uh, very negative these days. And you know, giving an opportunity or a platform for us to sell, tell some of the positive stories uh, of what we've accomplished and what other partners have accomplished and other guests um, really tell those positive stories. That's the goal, because um, sometimes the media just wants to harp on any negative uh, for clickbait and whatnot. And and so and, and the media is a crowded space. Uh, there are you know a lot of outlets, a lot of podcasts and, and so forth. And so. Um, you know, the opportunity for us to tell our story to a wider audience, uh, I think was really attractive to us and people just love podcasts now. I mean, people are commuting, they're listening to them while they commute, while they work out. Um, and so it's a, it's a great medium. So for those of you who have a business or have an interest, go ahead and go for it and try it out. And, uh, at the very least, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, no doubt, Matt, no doubt. So, uh, next question from Taylor, uh, she asks us, What's your favorite thing that you've learned as hosts in the last year? I'll, I'll go first um, on this one. You know, I think uh, for me, my background uh, 
for the first 15 years of my career or so was in sports and marketing and PR. And then I transitioned to real estate uh, for about 10 years now. Um, But I really enjoyed hearing some of the ins and outs of the industry. You know, we did the Development 101 podcast with Jeff Baker, where he went through kind of the real process of real estate development. I thought that was really interesting and provided kind of a framework for young folks who were interested in learning more about the real estate industry. And then the other podcast that really interested me, uh, and I thought I learned a lot, and, and I think others did too, was the Affordable Housing uh, podcast with Steve Siegel and, and uh, Mark Brody. You know, just talking about the importance of affordable housing and talking about how it works and some of the misconceptions there. I thought those those couple topics were really interesting. How about you, Mark? Yeah, well, I've uh, I've learned a lot from really getting into deeper discussions with various folks that have come on. You know, I think many of us, as we get older, you start making definitive choices on who you're going to spend time with and who you're going to associate with and so on. And I've been fortunate enough to meet so many great entrepreneurs and leaders, uh, both in the, um, in, in the, in their communities, both business wise and personally, and to have some of the folks we had on like Tim Regan or Alex Smith. And I mean, I could go on and on with that, that list of people, um, just being able to dig in on details with them and, and hear what what they're doing and how they're doing it and the way they think uh, really starts to shape uh, how 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 I can approach things differently or better. And it also also had I heard a lot of this when even when I was younger and coming up, I think it would have been really, really useful tool uh, to to help guide me through my sort of entrepreneurial journey to get where I've gotten, which has been uh, a lot of fun, quite frankly, a lot of challenges, but a lot of fun. Yeah. And we've had a wide variety of personalities uh, on the podcast. And so for me, it's interesting to see how these people have, whether it's David Manfredi, Adrian Fenty, uh, Steve Montgomery, uh, Tim Regan, um, I mean, Ryan, Ryan I mean, Keel, Scott Plank. Patrick the, Sutton. I mean, listening to the desi- the thought of the design process. With yeah. Patrick and they're all incredibly yeah. uh, successful people, but they're all so different. They come at it from yeah. different mental uh, you know, places they, they think about things differently. They problem solve differently. They have different experiences. Hey, Matt, let me ask are. you a question though. What, 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 if you had to pick, there were so many incredible people on that list from, you know, Adrian Fenty through Scott Plank, all the way through, you know, Patrick Sutton and Alex Smith and all these different folks, you know, Tim Regan, was there any commonality between all of them that you saw? I know there's one word that I can think of, but, there, but did you have any commonality between all of them that that all these successful, interesting, very different and diverse people had um, with uh, in common? That's a great question, man. I think what I would probably point to is just that never give up attitude and that persistence that all of them have had and, and finding their way uh, through adversity would be the thing I would point to. Yeah, well, actually, that that's a great one. Persistence. And the other one I was going to say, what I was going to come to the first was passion. Every oh, one yeah. of them, every one of them was completely... Uh, in love with and wanting to be at work. It was not a job for them anymore. It was a lifestyle. And I think all of them built their lives around, you know, completing this mission of the work that they they, they put together and do. And I think that it showed in, in the final result, but it also showed when you heard them talk about the things they were working on. Yeah. Passion and persistence. That might be the title of this podcast. So when we write the, uh, the title, that's, that's good. Yeah. So, so I know we don't want to actually single out one or two that we like the best, but we're going to single out one or two that we like the best. So it's a lot like, uh, picking your favorite child. Um, actually, actually that's totally unfair. Cause I actually loved every conversation. Yeah. We got into it. 
Me but, too. Yeah. <laughs> but we still have to pick one. So you got to pick one. I'm, yeah. I'm going to go for it. Okay. So a couple that really stick out to me, uh, if people haven't listened to all of them and they want to go back and listen to one or two, um, if you're in the real estate world, you know, or construction, I think you got to listen to Tim Regan's podcast. I mean, he's such a humble guy and, and did such a great job explaining what he does and where he came from. That was just fascinating to me. And then Patrick Sutton, um, with his incredible design, uh, experience and architecture experience and everything that he brings to the table. Um, but then we veer off and talk a, about mental health and, and some really important topics. So those were, those were two that really stuck out for me. And of course, I mean, I love Monty and I love Ryan Keel and those, those conversations were just a lot of fun too. Yeah, those were a lot of fun. You know, the first one we did with Adrian Fenty was really interesting because there was a, a big city mayor, uh, who, who, you know, grew up, uh, you know, pretty regular guy in uh, Washington, D.C., became a big city mayor and then moved into the, uh, you know, venture capital space and technology, but had some really incredible opinions on politics in the city and entrepreneurship and capitalism and all that. I found that really interesting and I thought that was a, a lot of fun to do. And I also love talking to uh, love talking to Alex Smith as well. Um, I thought he was a lot of fun because there's there's a guy uh, with his brother, Eric, and his and his various teammates that have literally created something out of basically nothing that's now a nationwide company. And everywhere you go, there's excellence and there's uh, there's uniqueness and there is passion in every product, every project that they do, um, both from a design standpoint and a food quality standpoint and a service standpoint. So I just find it fascinating uh, somebody that can put that together, that kind of scale that type of speed, make it profitable and, uh, and do it in places, uh, especially particularly in Baltimore that really, really yearn for it, deserve it and, uh, and need it. So I found that to be fascinating. Yeah. And, and, you know, I want to go back to Adrian Fenty too. And this is kind of an interesting uh, thought is that, you know, Adrian Fenty was our first real guest that we had. Uh, he was our third podcast. We did a couple internal for the first two, and then we had guests start coming on. And, you know, the 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 gratitude I have to him to coming on a podcast before we had a following, before we had guests, and he really helped us launch this. And now we've had 18 episodes. We've had, you know, dozens of guests, and, uh, and we've got thousands of listeners, and it's really taken off. And without... Adrian Fenty and David Manfredi and Steve Montgomery, our first three guests, without them saying yes and coming on, like we don't build this very cool, very fun, uh, effective platform. And so I'm very thankful to those those first few. Um, and it's not unlike, uh, you know, when you get a, an email and I know, Mark, you and I each get emails every day, like a young person uh, looking for an internship or a college student looking for advice and we're super busy. We don't have time to call them back or to email them back, but we do. And I guess my only point to people listening is like, take that time out of your day. Maybe it's on your drive home. Maybe it's on your drive to work or during lunchtime or while you're working out. But talk to that person, uh, that young person who needs a little bit of advice or wants to hear about your path. It's not all that different from coming on a startup podcast. You know, those people who came on this, you know, the first few episodes, really helped us launch this. And you can do the same thing by going on other podcasts or, you know, participating in, in these types of activities with people and then see where it goes. And so it's, it's a pretty special thing. Lend your expertise to people. And I think it comes back to you tenfold in the long run is my point. I am certain that it does. I'm certain that it does. I think a rooting for everybody is, is a core tenant of my, uh, of my being. And I, I find that uh, being able to be helpful is all, is all part of that. So yes, I would agree, Matt. All right, let's move on to our next question. Um, 
All right. We have a lot of young folks who are asking about how to get started in the industry. Um, Anthony, who's a young, aspiring real estate professional, asked, as a senior in high school who wants to pursue real estate development, what should I do and know? And I'll start out um, and I'll let Mark gather his thoughts for this one. But um, I'll start out by saying, first of all, listen to all of our podcasts because they really are chocked full of information on the industry. Um, and it may not be direct. It's not like textbook learning where you're going to get a, a formula or a strategy necessarily, but you'll learn the terminology. You'll learn you know, the thought process and, and some of the problem solving and all those things. But in addition to listening to all the podcasts, specifically go back and listen to episode nine. It's two parts with Jeff Baker, Development 101. It basically lays out development process, uh, fundamentals of real estate development out. It does lay it out in a process. And so, you know, listen to that one. Um, and and under, take notes, understand it. Um, the other thing I would do is is take some courses. You know, when you go to college, take some real estate courses, take some finance courses. Um, you know, you can take courses outside of school uh, with some of the organizations like ULI or NAOP, N A I O P, or other groups like that. Um, CCIM is another one. They all have real estate specific courses, and so you can learn a lot about the industry through kind of one off classes like that. Um, so, you know, that's my, that's my answer. Mark, do you have any thoughts? That's quite an answer, Matt. <laughs> I've, never, answer I've, never, no, I've never taken any of those courses. I don't even know what those acronyms are. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I would, it's funny cause you say that and I'm sitting there going, what a waste of time. No, just kidding. <laughs> I, I think that's great. I think the best thing you can do to get in the real estate industry is go get a job and any kind of job somewhere near the field you want to be in. I think that, um, when you're young, particularly life is trial and error. And I think you have to do a bunch of different things to figure out what you do like, and more importantly, what you do not like. And you start t steering towards the things you do like, you know, I've told the story about my dad's advice to me many times, and it, it's, it's very appropriate for this is, uh, I went to my dad after, uh, after high school and trying to figure out what I was going to do. Dad, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with my life? So I don't know. He said, do what you want. And I said, well, what, what, what do you mean? He said, do, do what you want. I said, dad, come on. You're not, you're not helping me at all. And I know I've, I've told the story before. Yeah. And he said, and he said, do what you want. And I said, oh, do what I want. You, you mean actually do what I want to do? He goes, yeah, if you do what you want to do, you'll enjoy it. You'll like it. If you like it and you enjoy it, you'll do much better at it. That was his advice. And quite frankly, it was some of the first advice I ever got. It was the best advice. And I was able to apply that through a series of jobs, some of them really great and some of them really bad. Uh, and some of them were not even related to real estate, but they helped round out other areas of my career, especially as you become an entrepreneur and a business owner. So I think getting a vast experience, because look, everybody's not going to get their dream job up front. It's just the way it works. Uh, and as, as a matter of fact, almost nobody is. But you can get something that there, there's almost something to be taken from every single work experience out there and then drag it back into your eventual career. And I think sometimes people lose sight of that. Now, if you can get closer to it uh, up front, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think, um, you know, I, I, I only laugh about some of that because I don't have a real estate uh, an education, real estate, or even in finance. I have a business management degree and I started more on the construction side. Uh, and so I came through it very differently. And, and the other thing I, I'd say for that purpose is that 
this is an art, not a science. How you approach your career is not formulaic. It is for some, but for most it is not. And in particular, many people at the sort of top of the food chain, you're going to find that they took a path that went not from A to B, uh, but instead A and around for a while over to B and then eventually to C. And it leads them down a path, especially in the first 10, you know, 10, 15 years in the workforce. So don't be afraid to try and and, and, and get your hands dirty and and just always keep in mind what the what the long-term goal is and keep working towards it through the funnel of sort of, um, you know, jobs and experiences that you get. Yeah, no, I love that. Get a job, get experience, start you know, don't, don't just uh, think about it. You got to do it. And, and, you know, you mentioned the construction industry, which is a big part of your experience and your story, but you also worked in the mortgage business and, you know, those two types of experiences gave you a, a foundation. I also, That's worked, different I, also than worked other in, people. I also worked in sales. At one point I worked in sales. Diff- I've sold different products, sold activities in Hawaii at one point, just after college for a year. I sold, you know, I did things that were hardcore sales. And then you put together the construction experience. You put together the sales experience. You put together the mortgage sales experience and the mortgage banking experience. You start adding all these things up and they give you a different perspective on, on what we do now. And again, this was all in my 20s, early 20s to, to mid, late 20s. And uh, all of those experiences add up to to create a, I would say, a sort of fuller, more experienced, and 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 a different perspective than many of the other folks you're going to be around. So there's no absolutes, there's no rights, wrongs. Like I said, I always consider this an art and not a science. And uh, I think just get going, get going, and get in there, and keep your eyes on the prize. So there's educational components, there's real job experience components. Mix those and mash those up and just work hard. Persistence. We said passion, persistence, and find your way. There was uh, actually thinking of that, like in about like how I started my first business and how I've started pretty much everything I've ever done is you have to be fanatical about it and you have to be completely um, engulfed in what you're doing to the point where in many cases you have to work two jobs essentially to get ahead to make things work. And if you're I hate to say this. There was there was a saying on my mother-in-law's um, wall for years in uh, in Garden City at their house. It was a very hardworking Irish family that the ten kids that my wife's from, and uh, and it said, "Show me an eight-hour uh, a day man, and I'll show you a person just getting through life." And I hate to say it for all of you people that want to work eight hours, you ain't going real far. You got to get in there. You got to get your hands dirty. You're going to work weekends. You're going to work nights. You're going to work constantly, and you're probably going to work twenty-four-seven at some point. Uh, in order to get to make all this come together and work. And there'll there'll be a time and place where you can lay back a little bit. But if you're ever going to create something great, you really have to work really hard and you have to be completely fanatical and think about it a lot. I just bought one of those signs from my office that says, no one cares, work harder. <laughs> that's, that's a great saying. That's Cam's saying. I'll, I'll be putting it up this week. By the way, we are, um, you know, recording this podcast live from our new office in Bethesda. So this is exciting. This is the first time we've done the podcast here in Bethesda. Yes. So we'll accompany, uh, you know, this podcast with some photos of the office and our rooftop terrace maybe. And uh, so that that's great. You, you know, what's and, fun about, you know, what's inspiring about coming here is I look out the, the patio or I look out the windows and I see companies like Marriott and I see, uh, and I see, um, you know, other companies, Walker, uh, Walker Dunlap, Dunlap and others. And every one of these is an entrepreneurial story that started and has continued to be led by incredible business leaders. Uh, and they're doing it worldwide now. And you can see this out the window and it inspires you every day when you're, when you're in a place uh, that's, that's thriving uh, like Bethesda, Maryland and, and, and many other places places that we've been and work, but it's really fun to look out the window and see that here. 
Yeah, no doubt. This place is booming without a doubt. So uh, let's get back to uh, a couple questions. Anthony, who asked that last question, has another follow up. He's curious about networking, uh, how, how he can network with people in our industry. Keep in mind, he's only in high school. So my advice would be um, you know, to reach out to people, try and have conversations uh, people that your parents may know who are in the industry, uh, people that, you know, your teachers may know, just, just, you know, reach out, send them an email, try and get on the phone with them, talk to them. Um, obviously doing research, like listening to the podcast is great. Um, some of those other acronym groups, ULI, NIOP, um, you know, those types of places all have really valuable networking opportunities. Um, so just start to look into some of the different groups and, uh, and start to reach out to people. The acronym places. Come on, you just relax here. I mean, it is where sheep go to get sheared or whatever. But yes, I think I think group think is excellent. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, the word networking has always been kind of a tough word for me to use or swallow. Um, and even those types of events have bothered me. But what what I would say and focus on a little differently, a little more, and I've, it's more about quality and not quantity, and it's a bit more about relationship. And I've just met so many incredible people. They weren't through networking events, you know, but through different networks of people in different environments I've been in. I've just met so many incredible people with just awesome stories I'm always drawn to. And I think, you know, just being somebody who's curious about people and about things can be your number one asset. Uh, and because you just don't know what one thing's going to lead to, to another and doing. And I think another thing that I found to be really useful on that front, if you call it networking is I like to do people favors whenever I can. I like to help people whenever I can. I don't want anything in return. I really don't. And what happens is you end up with these relationships with people trying to help people and, and do things, whatever it is. And I think what you end up with is uh, is a great network of people that can lean on each other, talk to each other and trusting relationships and going into the future. I just think it's a really important way to approach life uh, as opposed to going to a networking event, handing out business cards to people you meet, hoping that they'll advance your career or whatever it is. I, I think uh, really quality and not quantity. And I think real relationships, meeting awesome people is the key. Yeah. And that kind of points back to Anthony's first question, which is, you know, how do you how do you uh, get started in the industry? And our answer was get a job, you know, get your foot in the door. Um, same would be true for networking. If you get that internship, you know, it's, it could be unpaid, but then you meet three really quality professionals who you can get to know and pick their brain. And then from there, you can meet three more people they know each. That's nine people. And then and so you on know, and so forth. It's interesting, Matt. I've been noticing lately. I, I, it's the same in um I'm sure all the sports have it, but I notice this in hockey and lacrosse. There's these, uh, what do they call it? What coach? Volunteer coach? It's actually called mm -hmm. a volunteer coach yep. on those teams. Yep. Division one hockey, division one lacrosse. I, they have him in football? Not sure. Okay, but anyways, point is, these folks go in there for a period of time, and not everybody can afford to do it, but if you can, folks go into these business environments, this case, the sports environment, coaching environment, and they put in. A season or two. They 80 hours a week, not 40. Yeah, 80. by the way, 80. Unpaid. Yeah. But what does that lead to? It leads to a job. It leads to an assistant coaching job. Yeah. And then what does that lead to? Head coaching job. Okay. And connections. And that, then all of a sudden, after five years, you know everybody. That's exactly right. That's right. And I think I think it's a really good power. I was talking to somebody this morning from one of the Division One uh, colleges who's doing hockey. And he's hustling on the side, doing lessons and, and doing other things. But I think the point is, is that that same approach – uh, isn't taken enough with business. If you have an opportunity to take a few months and go do that or six months and do it, you can stay at your parents' house or you can you you, you can afford to, even if you're newly married or whatever, and you can afford to 
to not take a paycheck for a little while, it can be invaluable. And I think you can work your way into a situation. So I think those are all, uh, it's all good advice. And uh, again, it's, it's an art, not a science. So you have to find what's right for you. And, and I think the more risk you're willing to take, uh, the greater return you'll have if you're successful. Yeah, that's a great answer. And thanks, Anthony, uh, for the questions. We love hearing from young folks who are interested in the industry. So um, appreciate it. Uh, next question, Jack wants to know, uh, what steps are done to maintain a sense of community within your projects? Why is that important? Um, he'd like us to talk about forming relationships with neighboring communities and ask, uh, we give some poor Covington examples. Okay. Well, that's a whole show in and of itself. Uh, that's a, that's a loaded question. Lot to unpack there. Um, first and foremost, go back and listen to episode two, um, with Mark Brody, where we talk about explicitly about, Port Covington, how we built up the community efforts there and uh, how we sustain them and the importance of them and everything that we do. So um, that would be uh, my first recommendation. And I'll let Mark answer this in a second. But I would say the biggest thing for us uh, in building community around our projects, whether it's in Baltimore, whether it's in um, the Bahamas or other places where we have uh, significant projects, it's being intentional, being thoughtful and being upfront about it and really working at it. It's not uh, something that you just say. It's something you have to really, from the very beginning, you have to map out how you're going to successfully work with the community to their benefit. And so it's a very intentional, it's very thoughtful, and it's early. Yeah, no, I agree with everything you said there. Um, I would say that um, just like everything else, I think a lot of it's on relationships and a lot of it's on learning. A lot of it is on listening, a lot of listening before talking. And I think you need to get into these places and go learn about them. And and what I've had is the challenge, quite frankly, and the opportunity, which has been really exciting for me to go into new places time and time again and have to learn my way around the community. And I found that forming partnerships with various groups that have been there a long time, obviously, is a, is a quick head start, but you still have to do your own learning and, and your own process. And I think the only way to do that is to spend time and meet people. Uh, and then once you're there, you can start to think about how you're going to you know, get uh, get things done in a way that that uh, is beneficial to the community and moves forward uh, the agenda that they have in mind while moving forward. What agenda you have in mind. Um, but uh, but but it starts with listening and it uh, and it ends with action. Yeah. And, and that's key. Um, you have to actually follow through. Uh, you can't just talk. You have to actually f- follow through on your even, on even your if commitment. there's even if there's small wins, you need wins. You got to win. You got to help. You got to help people. And there's so much there's so many opportunities for that. And you do along the way, you just develop really genuine relationships too that last forever, honestly, Um, even if you're done with that project and you move on. So um, great question, Jack. Okay, next question from Andrew. Um, How do you select the markets or locations where you want to develop? Well, you know, I there's there's a lot of criteria that goes into that. It depends on the type of project that we're looking at. But one of the things is, is there a need and is there a market? And if there isn't a, a, a market, is there a need? And if there's a need, can you establish a market and make it? And I think you have to consider all those factors. I think you also look at the politics, the pro-growth or anti-growth sort of sentiment that, that sits around places. You look at, um, you look at the, the cost to, to build things there versus the cost, cost to build things in another market. Um, when you're working in emerging markets, you have to triangulate or use a different sort of thesis on how you approach end value. But I think it's really important to be mindful that um, just because it doesn't exist now, it doesn't mean it, it can't exist. I mean, the Sagamore Pendry is a great example. Everybody told us that couldn't be done. You couldn't hit a certain uh, um, 
average daily rate, or you couldn't have something at this level. Uh, there was already, or there was already one in town in the four seasons and all these different things. And I think when you can really imagine and see around corners and have that vision and have partners who see that vision, it allows you to do something that hasn't been done before and something that's great. Uh, that can hold people back, quite frankly, because if it doesn't exist there, sometimes people can't imagine it. It's lack of imagination. But I think uh, choosing markets is that. I think also another way to to look is you're, you're sort of predicting if it's on the housing side and the and the mixed use side, you're predicting where is growth going. And I think it's very obvious where growth is going these days. And and I think um, you, you can tell where it's going. And I think getting in front of that as quickly as possible or finding opportunities uh, in in those places. Is going to be your is going to be your best bet, but the um, but I, I would say this that even in the toughest of development states or the toughest of places, there are still the most incredible opportunities out there. Places that are true anti-growth, and it's just about finding the right ones that have, that that are in the right time and place or the right need for the product type that you're trying to put out there. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so I I don't I wouldn't rule out anything anywhere, uh, but I definitely have my favorites. Okay, so you know that's general answer. Specifically, how the heck did you get involved in a project in the Bahamas? Well, project like the Bahamas is a combination of um, somebody saw what we had done somewhere else in Baltimore and a few other places, realized we were good at the big picture and good at at, at brand and brand change and and good at delivering on the execution side and 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 how to sort of sell the vision. And felt they had the same need in the Bahamas. And so I went down there and then I put it through the same criteria that I put through uh, with all the different projects we look at. Is there a need? Is there a market? Uh, what does it cost to build it? Um, can we get people here quickly and safely? Uh, you know, does it have natural beauty? Does it have does it have the workforce there? On and on and on. And went through all of these different questions that we like to ask and it and hit yes on pretty much every bucket. Um, and so, you know, it, it, a lot of it is actually the same criteria uh, of not necessarily how we chose it, but it's the same type of work that we've done in other places that you, you would say are completely uh, 100% different uh, than what the Bahamas look like physically. But a lot of it's the same work. You're trying to rebuild or build great things in places that have been neglected sometimes uh, and, and assist people getting back to work or assist people, assist the broader community with improving its image or whatever it is. So that's how we ended up in the Bahamas. And, um, and it's, uh, it's, it's working out very well for us. And uh, we expect there to be some announcements out of the Bahamas in the coming weeks and uh, very short amount of time uh, sometime in the fall here. So stay tuned for more on that. Um, so following along those lines, uh, Samantha wants to know uh, how to, you know, we've talked a lot about community, we've talked about development, but how does sustainability influence our process and how important is that? And I'll, I'll start out by saying, you know, we've considered and called ourselves a double bottom line company for a long time, um, putting community before profits. Obviously, we need to generate uh, returns for our investors, but putting community first uh, as, as a you know, part and parcel of our everyday life and of our business. Um, and then sustainability is an essential um, criteria that is now part of our ethos um, to where we now call ourselves triple bottom line. And, you know, really where we are going with uh, the blue economy and the green economy and uh, global warming and, you know, having a project in the Bahamas um, has really, uh, and a couple other projects in other places that we'll get to in the future, um, 
you know, really sustainability is such an essential uh, issue. And it, it's really something that developers cannot uh, sweep under the rug anymore. So triple bottom line, you know, putting community first, sustainability, and then obviously uh, profit for investors. Um, so Mark, talk a little bit about, you know, your thoughts on sustainability and how important that is in the, in the projects that you work on. Yeah. I mean, I think a couple things, I mean, it's everything now and it means a lot and it's, uh, it's, it's important that everyone does their part in every industry. And it just so happens that we're in an industry that builds physical place and builds, you know, the industry provides all of the shelter for the world, basically the real estate industry, building houses and mm-hmm. apartment buildings and, and the buildings that people work in and restaurants and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's just important that we start there and make sure that everything we do runs through uh, that, those optics to understand um, what it is we can actually make a difference with. Uh, it's meaningful and that's now. Yeah, um, and we'll have some environmental specific guests on very soon. I think yeah. once we once we launch our project in the Bahamas uh, in earnest publicly, after that, I think we'll feature that as a big part of this podcast going but forward. I, I just think I just think starting starting and running that through the through through every project through every cylinder. What can I do now to to have things use less energy, buildings use less energy, to flush less water, improve the to, water quality, to improve to, to improve the water quality, the local. I mean, these are the simplest things, and I think the industry is doing this. Uh, but there's so much more to do, and, and it and it keeps the technology keeps improving every day. I think the challenge right now is technology keeping inside a cost structure that still allow still allows deals to work is where the challenge lies. But look, it's there's been a tension there since you know since the development of uh, of green buildings and since the development of the lead uh, certification process. This has been there, and there's been a constant challenge between uh, you know how to get lead certified and achieve all these goals and 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 how to afford it and i think every year the industry finds a new way to to step up and do more and i think the uh the technology and science inside that the uh the the, the green technology and science uh comes up with a new way to uh to improve to improve the construction methods or 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 or, or thought process around how buildings get built or, or how they operate so i think it just keeps moving forward and i look forward to what the future is especially the next 10 years yeah and it's really come to the surface the last few years even more so than ever and and really is under a microscope now and and something that we're super focused on and i know other developers are as well um just making sure that we're continuing to always look through uh that lens of triple bottom line um as we're looking at projects as we're developing projects and as we're delivering them to the community very important so Uh, Well, that brings us to the end of our anniversary podcast. Um, This was a lot of fun kind of recapping some of the uh, episodes that we've had in the past and talking about some of the topics that we've had. Mark, uh, it's been a good year. You know, uh, I think we were a little uh, skeptical starting a podcast, but we've we've seen the results. It's been a lot of fun and I look forward to hopefully a few more years of this uh, going forward. No doubt. I think keep it interesting, keep it fun. And uh, and um, I think keep bringing on interesting people who have really uh, diverse points of view and who have unique, uh, unique uh, pieces of knowledge to share with our listeners. Yeah. So we'll have some great shows coming up. So make sure you keep listening. We appreciate it very much. That's going to do it for us today. Uh, whether you've been listening for a year or this is your first episode, we really appreciate you being here. Uh, this was fun. This was a lot of more, a lot of fun. We look forward to having more guests on very soon. 
Uh, we'd love to hear from you on social media at Weller Development on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Just hit us up and let us know what you want to talk about or any questions you have or any guests you want us to feature. Uh, we're listening, so we'd love to hear from you. I'm Matt Rienzo. He's Mark Weller. Keep building, people. Keep building, people.